Good morning and welcome to PW Grocer's Environmental Echo, our monthly podcast. And today we've got a, again, always, as always, a terrific guest. We've got Rigoberto Borgeno. All right. So he's a professor and chair of the Department of Civil Engineering at SUNY Stony Brook. He's actually one of our first academic guests on the podcast. So we're really, um, you know, excited to have him. Um, so with that, I, I also want to just mention our, our other, other guest is, a, as I've called him, my repeat offenders, Brian Grogan, our senior VP of engineering, who heads up that, that uh, business uh, unit for us back at PW Grocer. Uh, but before we get into this uh, and our topic today, which is going to be engineering and education, I do want to let our listeners know if you guys do want to reach us, the best way to get a hold of us, that would be our po- um, website, www.pwgrocer.com dot com backslash podcast if you guys have questions uh, comments thoughts ideas topics or uh, uh, you know ideas for different guests we, we welcome them all we'd love to hear from you uh, so I do want to welcome uh, Rigoberto and Brian um, so before we get into this Rigoberto why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, you know how you got here well <clears throat> thank you uh, first of all good morning and, and uh Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to 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 be here. My my first time doing a podcast, so so it's a quite an interesting experience. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I have been at Sony Brook now for about is it my fifth year? I I, I came here in 2018. Um, I as as you mentioned, I'm the uh, professor in civil engineering and also the chair of the civil engineering at, at Sony Brook uh, University. Um, and uh, my background is in, uh, as a researcher and an academic, is in uh, structural engineering. So uh, not, not an environmental engineering, but here my role is to guide a department which includes the field of environmental engineering as part of the uh, civil engineering discipline. Uh, my, my academic background, as I said, is in structures. I'm particularly interested in uh, the developing new materials and new structural forms that can perform more efficiently and safely, whether in uh, innovative uh, cost-effective ways or under extreme hazards. At Stony Brook, my goal is to, uh, to continue growing a relatively new department established in 2012. Um, and we are trying to uh, continue that growth uh, that, that I was uh, started by, uh, you know, initiative to, uh, to, incre- to increase the, um, the training in civil engineering in Long Island and the state of New York. Um, and we are, you know, excited to continue uh, uh, that growth and uh, uh, in civil engineering and in uh, in an innovative modern way outstanding brian a little bit about what about you um i mean again i'm i've been now here with peter v grocer for roughly about almost 10 years now i think um i am actually a stony brook alumni um so oh I, yeah I, I shocked uh rigoberto and i showed up <laughs> and had some knowledge of the campus and was able to follow directions well um but yeah, no, I, I had a background in mechanical engineering um, from Stony Brook. And I graduated in 2006, uh, prior to the inception of the civil engineering program, um, which again, but it was in a very interesting field at the time uh, for mechanical, and some of the same principles apply. Um, but that's basically, you know, kind of the gist about me. All right. Well, I, and I, I did forget to introduce myself when we started this podcast. I'm Paul Boyce, the CEO and president of PW Grocer, and your host for t- for the uh, podcast. A little bit about me. I did. I'm also a SUNY grad. I went to University of Buffalo, obviously out in Buffalo, where I got a degree in civil engineering a very long time ago, and uh, <laughs> I specialize in environmental engineering primarily. I got a master's at uh, Polytech, which is now part of NYU in New York City. That was also a very long time ago, but uh, it's been put to good use since I obtained both degrees. So, 
Can't speak highly enough about the SUNY system and the, uh, the engineering programs there, and we're glad to have you here today, Roberto. And, and I know um, the civil engineering program, as you, as you said, at, at um, SUNY Stony Brook is, you know, I'm not going to say it's relatively new anymore, but it's, it's a newer program. And you know, we are, the benefits being a Long Island-based firm, of uh, having some of those graduates come on board and work with us now. So that said, um, let's get into our discussion today. All right. Um, so, Rigoberto, what do you see, what kind of impacts have you seen regarding the emphasis on STEM in high schools on incoming engineering students? Well, I think that uh, um, the, the impact is it directly is uh, difficult to assess, to be honest, but I think that we do see... Um, uh, students who are really, really well informed. You know, sometimes we do activities in, in class or we discuss, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a, we're doing activity of, of constructing bridges out of popsicles or talking about uh, uh, some engineering disaster and what we lessons that we have learned. And I find out that the entire class already knows about this. So that means that our uh, uh, STEM uh, basic education is, is, is working. They have been exposed to these topics. They're well aware, and they're ready to, uh, to engage in, in, uh, in deeper conversations. Um, so I think that um, it, it works. I, I wish that, uh, that uh, having teenager uh, uh, children, I wish that it was uh, um, taken more, uh, even broader uh, students. Uh, or reaching a broader population of our K to 12 students, because I think it does make a difference when when uh, students get access to uh, STEM education in, in, in their K to 12 school. Do you think it's it's really getting an impact in terms of attracting numbers to the to the programs, not just at SUNY, but you know, say across the nation in terms of engineering schools? I think so. Uh, I think that exposure at an early age is key to uh, uh, for students to. Uh, to think of engineering as a as a as a career as a profession, um, so that it, that they're not afraid of uh, uh, the uh, the uh, the fields, and and that it creates that curiosity. I think that's essential. So I, I absolutely I think it's uh, it's uh, is the right way to go. Are we doing enough? Right at at say the high school maybe middle school levels. I I'll give you a little bit of background. Mm-hmm. My wife's a school teacher, sixth grade math in the middle school, Comac, and you know she just had a STEM night. You know where they had all different ages of kids come in, and you know she did an engineering project, as you mentioned, like the popsicle sticks with the bridge. She did the uh, toothpicks and marshmallows type of structures. You know, put something together where it can support a textbook or something like that. You know, it was one of the more um, enticing and exciting uh, events at the STEM night. She said that they had. So she had, you know, they weren't just eating the marshmallows, the kids. They were actually using them to do something. Uh, So, are we doing enough? I cannot gauge that from the university side, from my job as a, as a professor. I think I have a better perspective as a parent of uh, uh, school-age kids who range from uh, sixth grade to uh, 11th grade, and I would think no. Um, and the reason is because when I ask my uh, children, who I, I guess I kind of influence them to, uh, to make the uh, uh, choices in taking those electives when they have the opportunity in middle school to start taking uh, STEM-type classes, which are offered. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the options are there. Um, but I don't see that enough uh, uh, children are making those choices. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I, I feel that uh, if they don't have the, uh, the uh, proper mentoring, uh, they may not take those opportunities. So the opportunities, I believe, are there. Um, but I think that there has to be more community awareness of the importance of, uh, of our children to be 
taking advantage of those courses, not being afraid of the uh, 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 the fact that they may be challenging, um, and and uh, and and therefore, if they take these classes, I think that then they will learn. And even if they realize that this is not what they like, I think that's that's a that's a, a, a win-win. Um, but when I ask them how many uh, are enrolled, uh, how many children are enrolled, um, it's usually a few. And especially when it comes to diversity, uh, which is an area that that uh, that becomes even more difficult when it uh, with STEM courses that uh, there's not a lot of diversity in these type of classes. I couldn't agree with you more. And Brian, you're a parent. What yeah, do you no, think? I'm a parent of you got young kids, elementary and middle school. So um, again. You know, my school district is a little different. We have robotics clubs that both of my older daughters have gone through. Um, my older daughter that's in seventh grade had a, a really good technology teacher, kind of like the one that I had back in high school. Um, you know, they actually made an, a, a scale model of a house. They had a, He had her draw up a floor plan and cut out foam and make them an actual model of it. Um, they've done the marshmallow and toothpick kind of thing. All right. Um, so there are those opportunities, and I think, Sometimes they need to be maybe pushed a little harder, or if you get the right person there, um, it goes really well. I mean, my own personal experience back in high school, I had a really great technology teacher um, introduced me to basically the precursor to AutoCAD. Um, I ended up teaching the course when he went out on medical leave as a senior in high school um, because the sub didn't know, and I knew enough from the prior year, and basically I was the one running around teaching the class <laughs> in high school. Um, so it was definitely, but... That was something that you, like, I asked. He gets said, yeah, sure, go ahead, do it. And, you know, you need to have that exposure. Um, where some school districts may not, and that's something that even just simple robotics clubs, if they start with those little sets, they learn, you know, and then they can bring it home. And then that's one of the, you know, things that my daughter was asking for for Christmas was, can I get the robot? And now plays with it on a routine basis and understands it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that exposure is there. And I think, like Rigoberto said, trying to push it more to the community awareness side to get people uh, enthused about it is something that definitely helps. Again, agree. <laughs> so, next topic, you know, what what do you see as the importance of preparing students in computational skills, say, beyond the likes of uh, Microsoft Office or AutoCAD? You know, what's going to get these guys and gals to be successful with their careers in engineering? Um, yeah, th- I, this is something that I think is very important. Um, we're, we're obviously uh, this we, we see it all around us. It's a, it's a huge shift in uh, in, uh, in in the way our society functions, the tools that we use, uh, both as uh, uh, as as regular uh, uh, folks and and as professionals. And um, we need to be versed and competitive as in training students in not just being uh, uh, the users. But uh, understanding the power of this tool, so so learning back back in the days uh, uh, to say that you knew uh, uh, you know a spreadsheet uh, or a word processing program uh, was considered a computer skill. Uh, now that's essential. Our, our elementary uh, uh, school children can do that. Thankfully, that's great. Uh, we need to train our uh, our college, our high school uh, uh, students to to uh, uh, beyond that, and that means uh, getting ready for for the world that. Uh, AI is going to bring to us uh, um, the, the, the world of uh, uh, augmented reality and all these tools that we hear about and sometimes they he- seem foreign and maybe this is something that are not to concern us, but that's the world that we already live in. And, um, and I think that we need to be preparing our, our, our children, our, our students uh, and professionals to uh, uh, be participants in the, uh, 
in the development and control of that future and not just uh, waiting to be users and, and see uh, 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 who's going to use it. And, and that's regardless of the discipline. So uh, obviously I'm in a civil engineering field um, and that f- those type of, when we think computing, we think that uh, that's for computer engineers or software engineers. Um, uh, but I think now it, the, uh, the, the, that, to that knowledge goes beyond those disciplines and we, it, it has to reach to a, to a certain competence level uh, to all areas, including uh, the, the you know, high school level, that everyone should understand what that is and, uh, and what are the basic knowledge behind it. Are you guys offering any courses in like, I don't know, AI, you mentioned the augmented reality or virtual reality type stuff, you know, um, we're using drones in our office and a whole bunch of other, you know, fun and exciting things in the the engineering field, but do you guys actually have any, you know, hands-on training as part of the curriculum? We do, we do, we we are starting to slowly uh, introduce uh, these courses. we, we have the, the basic uh, uh, computer programming courses that have been engineering for, for, for many years. And we are now introducing courses to in, uh, uh, in topics such as introduction to artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, data analytics, uh, and, and things of that nature at the undergraduate level, like sophomore, junior level, they can start taking this. And then uh, at, the, uh, at the graduate level, there are even more options to, to go beyond that. Brian, I think we got to get back to school. Uh, yeah, I know, really. Um, <laughs> Holy cow. No, and, and it does apply across the board. I mean, we see things like augmented reality or, or virtual reality, and we have the fly-throughs that a lot of these architectural firms will create. And, yep. you know, we're doing 4D modeling on projects and, and BIM for the, the building information management where, you know, you're walking through the building as you're built before it's even built and checking for conflicts between drawings. And, you know, even as a civil engineer, you need, you know, your files are going into these. So you need to kind of understand the whole grasp of everything. Um, you know, and you see the videos of guys doing inspections where they can scan a QR code and it on their phone pulls up the full 3D view of the plan while you're looking at it and you can move it around and see it. And it's, you know, it's definitely something we need some more exposure to um, because, again, it's kind of one of these things of sometimes if you're if you're not in it, you're too, it's too late. Um, and then you're getting pulled into it and trying to learn it on the fly uh, under the gun. So. And I think that the, the uh, to me, the, the, the key for, obviously some of these softwares are created by, by software engineers, computer scientists, um, but I believe that innovations start when someone understands the disciplinary knowledge. For example, if someone is in construction and is a construction engineer and also understands how some of this software is created or what are the capabilities or, and so on, then they can... Maybe they're not going to be the developers of the software, but then they can communicate very efficiently with the software developers and say, this is the tool that we need because this is what we need in the job. And, and, and I understand how this tool is created. And I think this is how uh, uh, some really cool innovations can, can originate. Well, and not to go too far off topic, but I've been seeing a lot of this in you know, social media, on, on the Internet, and in the newspaper even. It's chatbots. Right. They talk about the AI and all that stuff and, you know, how they're writing papers now for college level stuff. I don't know if it's in, in the engineering world yet, but um, any opinions on chatbots? I have not explored it myself, but uh, uh, when I told my, my high school son that his physics problem could be solved by chatbots, he, he did kind of get excited about it. I, I guess you can do it. Um, I think that engineering um, should not be an en- engineering discipline is, as, as, uh, uh, as you well know, is not just uh, 
plugging the numbers in, numbers into an equation and and uh, and and getting some solution it's it's about understanding when the equation works when it doesn't work and 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 what type of uh, uh, judgment you need to make on the what the results that you obtain what what do they mean uh, i believe at the moment this goes beyond what this uh, tools ai tools do nonetheless i think it stresses the fact that what we should be training students to um, when we train engineers to understand the the why of what we're doing and i tell them when i teach into them i say guys we are ruining those equations and and that's all nice but believe me the, the computer can solve these equations much more efficiently and correctly than you can you need to understand why these equations work when do they not work and that's the key and and i think that this is where uh, our engineers will continue to be uh, needed in spite of these advancements. Well, I'll, I'll say this, Brian. The, the other day I was thinking about the chatbots, right? I didn't have time to write something, and it was also something I really wasn't interested in writing. I'm like, oh, I wonder if we could write this proposal for me. You know? yeah. <laughs> I was going to go find Ed, our marketing guy, and say, hey, Ed, track this down and see if <laughs> I don't know if it could, but it was just, you know, it was on my mind. Like, gosh, I just don't have time, and I'm not in the mood. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if... Yeah, no, you know? I mean, it's... It, I think that I already read an article that there was some high school in Florida that somebody was already using chatbots to write a full-on essay. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, I think, there again, it may be another tool in the basket at some point, but as Rigoberto pointed out, you, you kind of need to understand why it's why you're doing what you're doing without getting, I'll say, too theoretical. Um, you know, I mean, I, I remember back we had one HVAC-related problem in a, in a thermodynamics class, and he was using linseed oil for something and like this heat exchanger came back and we actually, we couldn't figure it out. Like it was so ridiculously oversized and large that we called the company to help us. And the guy called back a day later and was like, you know, this thing's the size of a football field. Right. And we're like, well, no. And, and <laughs> but we, we understood then what we figured out why it was so big. So when we went back to the professor with the answer, he was like, okay, well this is why you then wouldn't do this. And, you know, but you need to have that understanding of, like, why certain things don't work and why they do work. Or, like you said, when to apply the right equation mm -hmm. or not. Um, and you learn that a lot sometimes by more hands-on stuff. Or, you know, we learned in mechanical, I did a lot of machine design and manufacturing. So you learned it by working in the machine shop, looking at a drawing, and then basically doing the old school kind of Grumman mentality. Put it together first, then design it. Because if you can't... You know, if you can't put it together, you can't really design it. So then they want to know how you're going to put that screw in when this piece is here mm -hmm. and doing that whole assembly process. So it's definitely, uh, again, maybe another tool in the toolbox. But, you know, we can't just rely on it because then we're going to end up in a spot where the computer's telling us everything. And yeah, but I, 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 I like your answer. Uh, I, I do agree that it's going to be another tool in the toolbox. We need to learn how to use it and how to take advantage of it uh, because why not? You know, it, it, we have all access to this information. Um, but I think it's almost the, the same all, uh, uh, every time a new tool arrives, whether it's a, a, a transition from the slide ruler to the calculator, from the calculator to the computer, uh, uh, every time that a more powerful tool arrives, uh, there's, a, there's a tendency to, to believe that it's going to solve all of our problems. And as, as you well know, uh, uh, it just requires that you, 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 as an engineer, that you use your judgment, your understanding as to what does the answer mean, right? The, the, the goal, all, good old basic uh, uh, training, you get, you get an answer, and then you have to question, does that answer make sense? Yep. Uh, and I think that this is where uh, this, this will be interesting to see how it evolves.
All right. Well, another question for you. Can you explain the value of research and education for, uh, of the future engineers from the classroom to student experiences? I, I think that research is uh, 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 an essential part of, of the Java universities. Uh, Stony Brook is a, is a research university. Uh, we, uh, uh, we are uh, basically have a very active graduate uh, research program, uh, and many of our undergraduates are involved in research. And I think research has uh, two roles. So, uh, as uh, faculty who are researchers are able to bring the uh, knowledge, state of the art knowledge, to the classroom, and they're passionate about their discipline. For students, both uh, at the at the um, undergraduate level and even at the graduate level, I think it exposes them to a different type of training. Most most classes, you 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 go, you sit in your in your in your in your seat, listen listen to uh, some information that is hundreds of years old, um, and then uh, you you take you do some homework, take a test, and after doing that assignment, it's over. Whether you got it right, partially right, you got some points off, but it's it's done. Um, and research students are involved to an open-ended uh, uh, challenge uh, that is not um, over at the end of the period or at the end of the week because the assignment is, is, is a little bit more uh, uh, long-range. Uh, you commit to it. You commit to solve a certain problem that, you, that was handed to you by, by, uh, by an advisor. Um, the, there's a certain belief, right, uh, that's in the scientific method that there's a solution to this. We're going to find this. So I think that that is a, is a very different type of training and thinking um, that is transformative for students. Um, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be researchers as a career. It's just a different type of training that I believe is, is important in as part of, uh, uh, of training professionals. Well, I, I think it's important even from what we do. Half the times we got to go and, you know, I'm not saying we turn every, everything into a research project, but... You know, just getting people able to understand, you know, what the process is and how to go about finding the information you need or coming up with the information you need. Um, sometimes I have, you know, guys and gals that are spinning their wheels and running in circles trying to figure it out. So I think it's just as important. All right. Um, you know, I, interesting, you know, I, I, didn't, I failed to mention, you know, a couple week, weeks ago, it was a Friday afternoon or evening, we had about 15 Stony Brook students come to our office. Oh, cool. All right, uh, for a roundtable on just the engineering profession, the industry, and the career. Um, so we had Stony Brook students from freshman up to senior from the civil engineering department, and uh, you know, really good group of engaging students. Uh, most of them had a lot of good questions, you know, multiple questions. It was a Friday night, started about you know five five fifteen, and we were there till after seven. You know, and uh, we gave them pizza, so you know it, it didn't. <laughs> that it always did, works. Didn't hurt to attract them, but we had probably about fifteen students, and it was a good mix, and it was actually it was more diverse than I expected. It was you know a couple of girls there, which is always the case in engineering, um, but you know it wasn't all just uh, you know the, they all didn't look alike. You know what I mean? It was it was it was a pretty good diverse group. So I was I was really really impressed to see that with Stony Brook. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. That. that, that yeah. That. Thank so, you for having them. No, it was great. And, you know, another thing that we often get involved with is some of the projects that the seniors undertake. Um, so my next question is regarding the, uh, the senior design capstone project. You know, how is it different now than it was in years past? How's, uh, it, how's that evolved? Sure. So, so let me tell you a little bit uh, uh, for those listening. Um, most engineering programs um, require or by a, by, by a, because of accreditation requirement, most engineering programs have a course at the before graduation, a class, which, in a, which is an experiential learning experience, something that allows those engineers or those 
engineers to be to become soon to become be engineers to have a a project that is a uh, close to a, a real life situation before they they graduate and face a real world um, so it's, it's either called a capstone design or a senior design course uh, we have a two semester sequence which is a, a senior design class um, in prior years uh, this uh, these projects uh, are realistic civil engineering projects uh, in previous years uh, they have been sponsored by industry in which uh, we call out to uh, to partners of the department to uh, help us identify projects that may be solved by our students in a, in a group uh, uh, um, uh, arrangement. And uh, industry, of course, uh, uh, tries to trim the problem off so that it's manageable within the, uh, the time frame of, of, uh, of the course. And, um, and then they, they volunteer assistance from their staff to guide the students. And uh, the students work on this for over two semesters and provide solutions to the uh, upgrading of a uh, of, uh, a rail platform or the design of a water treatment plant, uh, things of this nature. Um, we uh, we changed things a, li- a little bit this year, in which we chose as the senior project uh, to for the students to conduct the preliminary design of a new building being uh, planned on campus. It's a, it's a new research building, and um, what we did is just that all the, we we broke the class in teams, and uh, each team has disciplinary. Uh, uh, roles within the, the uh, civil engineering uh, 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 expertise. So structural, geotechnical, environmental, transportation, uh, uh, stormwater like storm systems. <laughs> How do we get involved? <laughs> and, uh, and, and therefore, we, we said, okay, you're each team, we have six teams, uh, you need to come up with a preliminary sign for this building as if you were, as if you, each team was a firm. So they, they came up with even uh, firm names and logos for their firms. And there's a project manager and there's technical specialists in this, these areas that I mentioned. And um, they've been working on this in September. We still have, uh, we're lucky to have support from the uh, local industry who are helping us to, uh, to come in and meet the students uh, twice a semester to, uh, have, uh, to provide feedback and conversations. Because uh, from the university, we have faculty who are, uh, um, overseeing the work that in the, uh, the te- in the different technical areas, but we are academics and we are not working on, on an everyday uh, uh, basis uh, in practice. So we want students to have different perspectives: the perspective of the professors, and as well as the perspective of practicing professionals. So we have prof- uh, practicing professionals in the different areas come in, meet with the students, and give them feedback on what they're doing. Um, and as well, we, uh, we have guest uh, seminars from uh, uh, practicing engineers to uh, discuss topics of, uh, of professional practice, ethics, uh, uh, permitting. Uh, uh, Ryan uh, came and talked to about uh, environmental permitted uh, um, and um, project management, uh, et cetera. So things that will not be typical in an engineering curriculum where, where we're talking about theory and equations and all that other stuff. You, you summed it up nicely. They're taking it from theory to practice. That's correct. Uh, and that's, you know, the, the, those kids, they, they need that, you know, or those students. Sometimes they're not just kids. They do need need to get a dose of that. And Brian, he no. mentioned our involvement. No, so. it's, no, it's been a pleasure. I've um, Myself, as well as a couple of the members of the firm over the yeah. last probably three years or so have been um, involved with the prior senior design proce- process where we, we, we gave out projects, we met with the students, we kind of went back and forth with them, um, and we've been involved even in this more recent one, which is a little bit of a different spin, but equally I think is as as good. I mean, the, the students really, we did sit down with them. I think we had an hour with each one 
um, kind of one-on-one. They all had really good questions. They, you could tell they were thinking it through. Um, you know, so it's definitely nice to get that hands-on approach. It's, it's very different than when I went to school in my senior design. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think it is, it's an interesting thing. It gets them exposed to more what's going to happen when they graduate. You know, if they graduate and get into the industry, it's a little bit, this is really giving them a, a real good look at what real life looks like. Um, you know, I did come in and, and go over uh, as a guest seminar speaker for Secra related stuff, which is, again is a topic that I think Rigoberto indicated they don't really teach. Um, but again, it's incredibly important to understand how oh, yeah. all that works. You know, um, I've done it before where I, I spoke at another friend, an attorney friend that teaches environmental law, same kind of thing as to what's the real world implications of environmental law on things and what's happening and how does it apply. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of, you know, kind of shaping, you know, some new students and it's always a benefit for us to get to see some faces and names and, you know, we've seen then a couple of those resumes come back across our desk. You never um, know. And, and like Paul said earlier, you know, we've we've actually ha- we routinely hire, I think, Stony Brook graduates. You know, we have interns that are that are and then I think their junior year. Um, we, you know, and we've like I said, we've hired a couple that have graduated right out of Stony Brook that we've had some experience with while they were kind of going through the program. So it's definitely uh, a well, good thing for us. That's leading me to my next topic, Brian, uh, internships. So at, at SUNY Stony Brook, what do you guys do to encourage or um, help students get internships? Do you have a program for that? Uh, well, uh, internships are, are, are very important. And I would say about 40, if not 50% of our students uh, uh, at least uh, uh, have internships by the time they graduate. Um, we, aim, we do two things. To, uh, we, we certainly encourage the uh, uh, internships. We try to uh, 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 bring industry as guest speakers to senior design course. Um, we have other uh, opportunities in which we have, uh, we call it undergraduate seminars, which, where we invite industry to come in as panelists and, uh, and talk about their, their, um, their opportunities. And then Stony Brook has a career center who uh, uh, organizes twice a year career first. That is not only for you know permanent jobs, but in, but uh, as uh, internships as well. So uh, uh, the students uh, attend those uh, you know re- uh, you know regularly, and we are fortunate that we have many firms uh, in the area that are including PWG who who are always there. Um, and I think that uh, we they're, they're obviously well publicized, uh, and and oh, we yeah. know that our students are always uh, uh, you know available, and we try to make sure that we. Don't schedule a, an, an exam or something like this at the time where the career fair is because everyone is aware when it's going to happen. Keep those interns coming, let me tell you. They're, they're fantastic. We like working with them. We like giving them the experience and the opportunity to see what the industry and the profession is all about. And, you know, oftentimes, as Brian said, we will find some that will stick around and end up being a full-time employee, and who knows where they can end up. So um, along those lines, what about, like, the FE exam and encouraging, you know, licensing and <laughs> and whatnot do you guys advocate to take that exam before they get out of school or absolutely we, we talk about the um, the path to professional licensures um, the the importance of the FE exam <coughs> excuse me the um, all of our courses are uh, aimed at providing the for the the, uh, the knowledge that is going to be represented in the exam and uh, the the path to licensure is discussed at many levels both in, in, in our classes uh, in our undergraduate advising sessions and then um, we, uh, we, our 
student uh, chapter of the American Society of Civil Engineers, they are very active in, in inviting speakers to talk about professional licensure. Um, we encourage uh, in this event for them to take the fundamental exams early so that they can get it out of the way. Uh, not, I would say, about a quarter of our students do so, uh, and they are successful in, in this exam. Um, so, but, but they're well aware of it, and we, we do encourage it. We, uh, we make them realize the importance of that step. No, and, and that's definitely something that's, that mindset has changed since I was at Stony Brook. I mean, I, I found out about it, that test for the first time during finals week. Um, when one of my friends was like, hey, I signed up to take this other test. We should all do it. And we all looked at him like, what are you, nuts? Like, we're in the middle of finals week. The test is next week. Like, we're never going to take this thing. Um, most of us had never even heard of it. Um, even at that time, I think now, like our professors, I think we had two that were licensed professional engineers that had, I'll say, some prior real-world kind of work experience Um aside from kind of just the, the pure academic um, and research side of things, which, again, is, is fine. But when you're talking about professional licensure, it's it's a little bit different. I think now there's, especially in civil engineering, I think almost every professor is a is a licensed PE now, almost. Well, it, no, and, and I, I, I wish, I'm sorry, to I, I wish that was the case, but in case someone of our <laughs> listeners goes and checks our website says, wait a second, that's, uh, that's not true. Um, unfortunately, we're not, but we're trying to address it. Uh, you're absolutely right that there's, um, uh, of course, it. You know, not only is important that if we go tell our students you should get uh, your license and and their faculty don't, doesn't have the license, it, it carries less weight. So so we should lead by example. Um, but um, uh, it there there is a challenge in academia, in that uh, as a research university, uh, our our recruiting for faculty is driven by our our goal to uh, to be innovators in our discipline, mm-hmm. and that what that means is that a uh, uh, faculty who are uh, uh, superstars, they're stellars in in uh, in creating some uh, 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 amazing new knowledge. Sometimes this means that they have dedicated all their career at uh, at, at you know perfecting that craft and their knowledge, and and they have not been in practice, and typically. To get a job in academia, if you, uh, as you well know, one of the needs to become a professional engineer is to practice for a number of years, um, and then sit for the exam. But uh, but you need to be practicing for a number of years. It's very difficult to be hired as an academic after you have left the research field for two four years because uh, uh, you 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 go cold in the uh, in the uh, in the process of, of uh, uh, you know, publish and perish kind of thing. And, uh, and, and this is a challenge, but we are trying to address it by encouraging our faculty uh, uh, with some carrots to, uh, to take a little bit of time from, from uh, 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 their academic duties to pursue this, uh, this certification, which I think is important. I agree. And just a little bit brief on my experience with it. I did take it my final semester in Buffalo, as I mentioned, SUNY. Um, me, I knew well about it. I'm a third generation PE. My grandfather, my father, so it was. I had no excuse. And there was also a student chapter of the National Society of Professional Engineers there that offered review courses and everything to take it. And you know, any of our listeners, uh, if you guys are students and, and thinking about it, I strongly encourage you to take it while this material is 
fresh in your minds, like at the very end of school here, uh, the FE is the fundamentals of engineering. That is like the calculus, the differential equations, the thermodynamics, the electrical theory stuff, stuff that you may not have a whole lot of, you know, experience with while you're practicing, you know, but it's important to know this stuff regardless. So anyone that's listening, if you're thinking about it, take it sooner than later. All right. Um, Next topic, uh, the master's degree at SUNY. Do you guys have a, a master's, uh, an MS for civil engineering? Yes, we do. We do. And, and I'm happy to say that that is growing. Uh, it's a, a, a 30 credit uh, master's degree. Um, it's uh, customizable. Students typically who pursue a master's degree means that they have found a sub area of civil engineering where they want to pers- uh, 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 get further knowledge. Civil engineering is so broad that it's difficult to have a lot of depth in the different areas. So uh, the master's degrees allows our students to, to choose that path. So uh, at the moment, our program has about 20 uh, uh, master's students. And um, they range their specialty of study you know, across the field, the sub-disciplines, environmental, structural, geotechnical. Um, one of the uh, paths to the, uh, to the master's degree that is becoming popular with our undergraduate students is that uh, we have a, an accelerated master's option. So basically, for students who have, uh, uh, are performing very well, they can start taking some of their uh, uh, graduate courses in their senior year, and uh, and basically they wow. they double count they double count as part of their bachelor's degree, and if they stay at Stony Brook, some uh, up to six credits count towards a master. So then they can finish their master's degree in one more year. So so essentially, uh, instead of a four-year bachelor's, they they stay a little bit longer, and and, and in five years they co- they they graduate with a master's degree. So. You know, it, it's working very well for our students because most of them are have take, take, take an internship in their junior, senior years, then they do their master's, and then, you know, by that time, they have good technical depth as well as experience to, uh, to, to, uh, to start their jobs. Oh, wow. So we got 20. So you said 20, structural, geotech. Is there anything like maybe transportation or environmental? Anyone interested in that type? Of thing? Well, of course, yeah. This is 20, so it's, it's across the board. So we have, uh, in, in jo- it represents the expertise of our faculty, uh, environmental, uh, uh, which is mostly water quality, water resources, uh, coastal engineering, uh, uh, hydraulics, structural, geotechnical, transportation, particularly which uh, uh, is with uh, smart cities and mobility. Oh wow, some good stuff there, Brian. Oh yeah, no, it's, you know, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled. Yep. All right, uh, last question I have for you, Rigoberto. You know, the, uh, the alumni from the civil engineering department. I know that haven't. It's only been around for a few years. Have you been keeping in touch with any of these guys and gals that have graduated and how they're doing? Uh, we do, and we are happy to say that that uh, uh, they're doing quite well, and uh, and we we do stay in touch with them. And of course, it's normal that that uh, that sometimes is is difficult because uh, their email changes, and uh, 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 but we do stay in touch with with a fair amount of them. Uh, we try to uh, get them involved in our on-campus activities in their in the area. They come and visit us. It's, it's very rewarding to see them at this career first that I mentioned. That they are now in this in the firms that are recruiting, and they they come to these uh, uh, career fair events, and and they are able to uh, to engage with our students and and I'm sure and, and reconnect. Um, so we we are very happy the way that our students are doing, and uh, and I think that. Um, the, the population of alumni is growing. So oh, it's got to grow, yeah. yeah quite quite happy with that. Um, we, we look forward to, uh, to um, uh, start creating events that will start engaging the alumni, maybe, maybe uh, an alumni uh, association uh, or, or, or group uh, in, in the near future. I think that we, we are 
uh, reaching the limit that that might be possible. Well, I, I will say with, with Buffalo, um, it's an eight-hour drive from where I live, so it's I, I don't get back to the campus at all, but there are local events, chapters like uh, New York City. That's a big one with, with UB, and, um, you know, every year I, I do send a check and everything to support the engineering department. What about you, Brian? Any, any involvement with the uh, – I mean, I really just been in alum. the last couple of years, you know, I um, – Alumni was a little bit of a different thing back when I was there. I was a commuter student, so I wasn't as engaged. And you know, I think I got my first phone call looking for money the day after I graduated. So I kind of <laughs> said, I don't even have, I haven't started a job yet. Um, how about, you know, hold off for a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, the last couple of years, it's been good to kind of get back and, and, and see people and, and kind of give back and, you know, kind of now share some of the knowledge that yep. I now have. Um, with, you know, with the new students and granted I was a mechanical engineer by degree, but, you know, I now play a civil engineer, um, in this role. And yep. obviously it's, you know, it, it kind of just teaches you to learn one thing to the next. And now I can share some knowledge with the new students coming out, uh, which is kind of rewarding. So I, right. I would just like to say that, of course, uh, um, um, we're growing. We're interested in growing our alumni interactions, not just because we want to ask, not, not because we want to ask them for money. Uh, uh, <laughs> they 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 do get back in many ways. They they come back as, as speakers. They come back uh, uh, to to help us with uh, uh, roundtables uh, to to help our students understand the transition from 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 the classroom to practice. They uh, uh, they they come to support uh, uh, activities of outreach, and and all of that is is very important. So so. We are we are interested in creating that that community that uh, that supports the, the growth of the department and the university uh, is is not is not the dollars uh, that that matters. That's good to hear, and that's you know I wish with my Buffalo stuff it was like I said it wasn't so far away and I could go and, and talk to the students, but maybe you can do it virtually now. I got to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, so Rigoberto, to wrap it up, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to mention before we uh, we sign off for the day? Um, well, no, I think this, there are so many things that, that we can talk about, and, and they're all interesting. I, I'm just very appreciative of the opportunity to, uh, to share what we're doing at Stony Brook um, and uh, to a broad you know, understanding of the, of the value of engineering, both uh, uh, within our profession and our community, is important so that we can you know, continue to do things uh, uh, better. Well, we're glad to have you today, and we appreciate your time. I know you got a busy schedule, and as school's in session right now. Actually, it's President's Week, so I know some schools are... We're, you're open. We're open. We're open. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming in. Brian, anything you want to add no, before we sign off? All right. Well, that's it. I just want to thank our listeners. This is uh, you know Environmental Echo by PW Grocer. I'm Paul Boyce, your host, who is also President and CEO of PWGC. Um, and to our listeners, again, thank you for sharing your, your time with us. And, and if you need to get a hold of us, www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode of PWGC's Environmental Echo. You can download and listen to this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or by visiting our website, www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. For more content like this, be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode.